welcome to Preach the Word podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I am your host. Today's episode is a sermon that was shared by Pastor Shad McDonald on April 4th, 2022. The scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 41 and verse 51. The sermon is titled, A Rescuer's Resume. I would like to say thank you to those that have shared the podcast with new listeners. Also to those that have left ratings and reviews. It greatly helps us grow the audience and reach new listeners. Have you ever needed to be rescued? I have found myself many times in life needing to be rescued, whether it be in the physical or in the spiritual. And I'm glad that during those times in life, there was someone there that was qualified to rescue me. Listen as Pastor McDonald tells us about a rescuer's resume. Thank you for listening. Genesis 41, if you're there, say amen. Genesis 41, verses 51 and 52. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Chapter 45 of Genesis Verse number seven, note what Joseph says. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Chapter 47, verse 12. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren, and all his father's household with bread according to their families. The Lord will stand by me. I'll just uh, try to tie these texts together. I want to label these lines a rescuer's resume. There's, there's some things that reoccur over and over in the book of Genesis. Uh, you'll see the word seed. You'll see the word land. And you'll also notice the word covenant. In the book of Genesis, God again and again speaks of seed, land, and covenant. When you look at the life of Joseph, one cannot help but wonder how is God going to keep his promise? 
How is God going to fulfill His Word? How is God going to take adversity? How is God going to take situations and circumstances and somehow work all of this out? Uh, in chapter number 5 of Genesis, you'll note the word generations. And then when you get to chapter number 37 of the uh, book of Genesis, you'll see the word generation for the last time in, in Genesis. Now the first time in regard to speaks there in chapter 3 of the generations of the heavens. In chapter number 5, the generation of Adam. And then by the time you get to chapter number 37, it's the generation of Jacob. And, and one would think perhaps that maybe Joseph would be the, the primary theme of the book. One would think that maybe Joseph is the one that would be first and foremost. But really, it's not about Joseph. It's about Jacob. Even though Joseph's story is a great story, and even though Joseph's encounter and experience amazing and bears repetition, we're going to see today that it's because of Joseph that Jacob remains. Hallelujah. And you know, the, the thing about life today is um, we want to make a theme of morals. And, and you know, we, we kind of have this mindset that if you're good and, and you know, you're, you have integrity and you maintain ethics that you will prosper and in the end you're going to come out on top and We've got this materialistic mindset, you know, that <clears throat> uh, like with Joseph here. I mean, look at him. He went all the way to the bottom and goes to the top. And we think that that should perhaps be the, the reason of why we're good. And because we can, you know, get to the top. And, and you know, we can gain that place of accolades and approval and applause. But the whole story is not so much about Joseph as it is Jacob. You see, oftentimes in my life, in yours, we don't forget that God sees the bigger picture. And we don't understand that God sees the end from the beginning. And God knows what he is going to do even when we don't have a clue with what's going on. One guy said that we can uh, praise God in the hall until he opens the next door. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oftentimes our lives are met by a series of refusals and restrictions and reversals and it seems like we can't hardly make any progress because we're hedged by circumstances and we're hampered by situations and, and somehow or another we're halted by adversity. But all the while it seems like that Joseph's circumstance and situation is getting worse and worse and worse. God is putting him right in the place where God wants him to be. <coughs> Let me talk to you about the, the, the people. 
the people that God placed in his life? Um, well, they were, they were people that God placed in his life that, were, um, that brought difficulty and perplexity that he faced, uh, adversity of his own brethren, uh, the jealousy uh, because of that coat, uh, the preference that was showed to him by his father and his brethren were jealous of him. May I say, please, that when you offer a word of criticism or you find yourself critiquing, when you find yourself analyzing, when you find yourself sometimes looking at someone with a cynical eye, you may want to ask yourself, is that fueled by jealousy? They were jealous of their brother. And there was difficulty, perplexity that he faced because he was not well received of his brethren. And so they're going to kill him. And then, fortunately, uh, the Ishmaelites came by and they brought him up out of the pit and they sold him into slavery. And he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. And then from the Potiphar's house, Potiphar's house, by and by, he's in, in prison. But while there was difficulty and perplexity that he faced, there was divine providence that he felt because the text reads, and the Lord was with Joseph. Hated by his brethren, not good. Lied on by Potiphar's wife, not good. And very frankly, some commentators believe that the reason why Potiphar had Joseph put in prison was because he really did not believe his wife, but to save face, he put Joseph in prison. For the commentators say if Potiphar had really believed that that Hebrew had assaulted his wife, he would have took his head off, and he had the power to do it. But nevertheless, Joseph was put away and put in prison, not owned by Potiphar's wife, not good. Put in prison, not good, but the Lord was with Joseph. That's good. <laughs> Amen. So they were, they were people that God placed in his life, and there was a pathway, a pathway that God provided for his life. They were, they were circumstances he suffered that were seemingly unbearable. The injustices the, uh, the asinine assumptions that were made, the malignant, malevolent accusations that were spoken, the things that were told on him, uh, the lie of Potiphar's wife. And oftentimes, you know, we come to the false assumption that because someone is in a hard place that they have displeased God. We think that because someone is in a difficult situation that providence has frowned upon them. But not with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. While there were circumstances, he suffered unbearable. There was courage that he shone that was unbreakable. He was going to trust his God no matter what. Look at this young lad. He's taken from his father. 
He's taken from home and he's exiled down in Egypt. And there's everything around him is totally opposed to and so diametrically different from everything that he had been brought up in. He had been brought up in Canaan. And if there is one place that is the complete opposite of Canaan, it's Egypt with their customs, with their, with their worship, with their idolatry. Everything in Egypt is completely different to what young Joseph knows. And even <clears throat> when he's brought up out of the uh, prison and there he is recommended to Pharaoh and Pharaoh gives him a, another, another name. Everything is completely different than what he has been taught. And everything is different from what he has been. But nevertheless, when he comes to this place of elevation, and he comes to this place of where he is now premier, and he is prime minister of Egypt, and he is second only to Pharaoh, who at this time in history is the most powerful nation in the world. And I'll, now is where I want to preach to you, for I've shown you the people that God placed in his life and the pathway God provided for his life, but I want you to see now the purpose that God planned for his life. Why did Joseph go to Egypt? Why did God allow Joseph to go to Egypt? Note with me of when he becomes prime minister, what, uh, what, uh, what Joseph says. He named the firstborn Manasseh. He named the second <coughs> Ephraim. He names the first Manasseh. To simply say and affirm, the Lord hath made me forget. My question to you is this. What are you going to name your baby? What are you going to call it? God hath made me forget. And what that simply means is, I let all that stuff go. I'm talking to you about the rescuer's resume. What can I say of Joseph, this great leader and this great preserver, this great restorer and refresher of life? What can I say of him? He learned to let some stuff go. Amen. And here's where I need to preach to you about. There's going to be set downs and setbacks. There's going to be times that you face things that there's no rhyme or reason for. There's going to be unfairness. And there's going to be things that are unjust and unkind. But you've got to be like Joseph. And you've got to say, I let all that stuff go. Amen. There's going to be things that you would like to <coughs> try to correct. And there's going to be wrongs that you feel like need to be made right. And I must tell you whether you like it or not. Here on this side, things will never be all right. Things are never going to be perfect. They'll never be exactly the way you want them. But I learned to let all that stuff go. 
If I had been guilty of everything I've been accused of, I would deserve to be in prison today. But I had to let all that stuff go. Amen. There's been some things that I thought I deserved that I didn't get. But I let all that stuff go. There's been times when I feel like, <clears throat> amen, Lord, I wonder why. And I wonder when. And I wonder how. And I don't know what you do. I had to let all that stuff go. I had to name the baby Manasseh. And I had to say, Lord, I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm not going to let that chain me. I'm not going to let that shackle me. I'm going to name the baby Manasseh. And I'm going to go on for God. Is there somebody in the house that will give him some praise? <laughs> you see, there was purpose that God planned. It had everything to do with what Joseph would do with his Egypt experience. Well, here it is. He, uh, he has a son, and he names him Manasseh. That is a Hebrew name. He's in Egypt. He's been in prison in Egypt. He's prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh gives him an Egyptian name. That's how they recognize him. And you got to be anointed to say it, so I'm not going to try to say it. It's about 20 letters long. But nevertheless, Joseph says, I tell you what, they may give me an Egyptian name, but I'm going to call my boy by a Hebrew name. Why? Because there's three primary themes in the book of Genesis. Seed, land, and covenant. And God had promised there would be a seed. And now Joseph is in the land that is diametrically opposed to the the land of promise but even if he is not in the land of promise he's going to maintain covenant because Manasseh is a covenant name and Manasseh is a Hebrew name I need to ask you when you're in opposition and when you're in persecution and trouble are you going to hold to the covenant are you going to hold to God's word are you going to maintain the covenant Now, there's a second that's born, and his name is Ephraim. And he says there that the Lord hath made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God made him to forget, and now God has made him fruitful. But notice what Joseph says. He referenced Egypt as being the land of affliction. Again, land is a prominent theme in the book of Genesis. Hear me now. He's second in command. He's way up high on the totem pole. He's got everything that he wants. But Egypt ain't home. Hallelujah. Come on here now. Canaan is home. Canaan is home. And what he's saying again is, I know Pharaoh 
has made me the big cheese. I know Pharaoh has made me the head man, but I let all that stuff go. This ain't my home. Amen. My grandfather Abraham, amen, he walked with God and he sought for a sinner which has foundations and builder and maker is God. I want to preach to you, Landmark. This ain't home. You may think if you get things here, it don't get better than this. But with everything that Joseph gained, amen, because of what Pharaoh gave him, Joseph is saying it gets better than this. There's a homeland. And here's what a lot of people do. Acquired things. I've been fruitful in my land or the land of affliction. Joseph is saying, they somewhere better than this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Don't drive your tent pegs too deep. Don't get foundered here. Amen. He that hath the stuff in the house, let him not come down. Don't you be so caught up with stuff. Amen. That you're not ready for the coming of the Lord. I'm preaching to you. If you're going to be a rescuer, you got to let that stuff go. If you're going to be a rescuer, you got to let that stuff go. I wish I was a preacher. The prominent themes of Genesis is seed, land, and covenant. And now Joseph speaks to his brethren and he tells them, I want you to understand and I want you to know that it was not you but God. And so the perspective that he shared is quite searching. And may I ask you, can you offer that same perspective? Do you have that same motive that he had? What is your perspective of what's happened to you? Their fault. They're to blame. Somebody done me wrong. Somebody let me down. Somebody hurt me. Joseph kindly says, not you, but God. This is going to hurt real bad. I hope you love me when I get through. It's not about you. If you'd come preach, I'd shout. Joseph says, it's not about you. It's not even about Joseph, but God. You see, the last generation named in Genesis was Jacob. Joseph has come to Egypt to preserve his father's name. Oh, hallelujah to God. Jacob, amen, has been promised a seed. <laughs> 
And when I see this prime minister sitting there on that throne, amen, the perspective that he shared is quite searching. But the beauty of the text is this, the promised seed is saved, amen, because here is where it all comes together. Why did God allow Joseph to go to Egypt so God could raise him up to be the prime minister? Pharaoh having revealed the dream and then Joseph telling him the meaning of the dream and now there's gonna be corn during a time of famine and the house of Jacob is gonna come to Egypt. Amen, and there's gonna be full in famine. And I'll tell you why God allowed Joseph to go to Egypt. It was to preserve the family. Hey, hey, I said that's the reason God allowed Joseph to go to Egypt was to preserve the family. That's the rescuer's resume. That's why God allowed it to happen. There's gonna be corn in Egypt. <laughs> when the, the brethren spoke and Cain quarreled, killed his brother Abel, where's the seed? And then there was Seth. Hallelujah. And then by and by, there's Abram. Hallelujah. And then there's Isaac. And then there's Jacob. But now, who's it going to be? Perhaps one would think. I mean, Joseph is such a primary character in the book of Genesis and he is a son of that favored wife Rachel one might ascertain or suppose well it'd be Joseph but really if you'll go back with me into the prime minister's court there's one that reveals himself as being who the promised seed will go through because when they feared for their life, the life of their younger brother, it was Judah that went forth and said as an intercessor, let me die in his place. <laughs> Woo! Now, I know, amen, through which line the promised seed is gonna come because Judah said, amen, I'll die in his place. Just let my brother be saved. Anybody wanna help me while I preach? Amen. And then by and by from Judah came David. And then ultimately, great David's greater son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. That's why Joseph went down into Egypt. Amen. So that the seed could survive. Amen. That's why Joseph went to Egypt. So the seed could survive. If it hadn't been... They'd all starved to death. Jacob and all of his sons would have starved. And Judah, through which would be the lineage of Christ, would have starved as well. 
So why did Joseph go to Egypt so that the seed could survive? I want to be where God wants me to be, when God wants me to be. Brother McDonald, I don't know why. And I don't know what God is doing. Have you ever thought that God has put you where he's put you so that you can be the one that God uses to save your family? Stand with me all over the house. Father, thank you for the promise of your word. Thank you, Lord, for this truth that you have shown to me and allowed me to share with these wonderful people. Come to us, Lord. Meet with us in these altars. Your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. Are you like Joseph today? What are you doing, God? Why? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you allowed all these things? God knows the big picture. And God has big plans. (laughs) Hallelujah. Your head's bowed and your eyes are closed. Brother McDonald, I really don't understand. But you know what? I've come to a a decisive moment in my life, and I want to make pledge to it. I don't have to understand. I just have to know he's with me. If that's where you're at, I want to see your hand right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I don't have to ever understand. I just have to know he's with me. Hallelujah. They're going to sing. Altar's open. Let's come in and pray today. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned.